beautiful day. So glad to see it back. <laughs> you like the rain? I like the rain. I really do. I, I love being out in the sun. It's, it's it's delightful. And I even like being out in the fog and the kind of mist. But man, being in the greenhouse with a pitter, pitter, pat, pat, pitter, pitter, pat, pat on top of the plastic rose. I just love it. Puts me in another state of mind entirely. How good. Good morning. Conversations with Alaskan Gardeners is back on the air. We're reaching out to you all across Southeast Alaska. And we're welcoming you to another rainy Saturday morning. Isn't it grand? We haven't had one for a while. I know. And it's supposed to really dump today and tomorrow. And tomorrow, too, is even nicer. Mm -hmm. So, of course, we scheduled a big sale. <laughs> Landscape Alaska is having a midsummer perennial sale. We're open today and tomorrow. We're open a lot during the week, too. But today and tomorrow, we're going to have uh, a whole lot of perennials on sale. It's and the midsummer perennial sale. Midsummer perennial sale. We do it every year. A lot year. of people get to the middle of the summer and they don't have anything blooming in their yard. And there's all kinds of things that will bloom. Not only that, we start a bunch of stuff early in the spring just for this time period so that it's, it's coming on now when. The, uh, the first brush of spring th stuff is over. And so there are young plants that have been transplanted in this, earlier in the spring that are coming on and ready to set out into your yard now. And some of them are just absolutely beautiful. And then there's it some, makes me want a garden. Uh-huh. And then there's some, some other been... ones that we got in this season that are just hitting their stride right now. And one of the most beautiful ones is the bleeding heart with the dark red flowers such a lovely thing now the, the traditional pink flowering bleeding heart is beautiful there's no doubt and the, and the white one is spectacular but the dark red one is something else it's really I like them all they're so tough and they really they take all kinds of environments they really love it you know for years I thought they liked it kind of in filtered light but when we planted it there at the hotel where it's in Bloody hot sun all day long. It just got huge. Got huge. Bloom like mad. And now it's time to cut them back down short and fertilize them and get a whole new bloom crop on them. That's right. They get kind of tatty. They get kind of worn out. Uh -huh. They need a new... A new rush. A, a vigor. Some vigor. It's a call-in show. 907-586-1800. If you'd like to talk about what to do with perennials and what kinds of perennials and and uh, how exciting it is to be around the perennials. And if you were a bug, would you like to eat perennials? And all those <laughs> kinds of things. You know, give us a call. 586-1800 here at KIMY. Of, there's a lot of bugs out there. Boy, oh boy. Boy, the bugs aren't are they, just though. going to town this year. I think we were right on top of the uh, time to get the predatory bugs. Good morning, conversations. Is there someone there? Yes. <clears throat> I wanted to ask the question. Um, if uh, 26 years ago, I bought a friend of mine a cherry tree. Now I heard on the radio about something about cherry trees we shouldn't have or get rid of. These are choke cherries. Not not eating cherries, choke cherries, a different kind of plant. It's a, here they call them a mayday tree. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know about a mayday tree. That's the, that's, that's the tree they're talking about getting rid of. It's turned out, we used to plant them too, you know, and uh, and now they are everywhere. And they grow well, out in the forest and they, uh, and they, they scatter themselves. 
Anyway, that it's not the it's not the fruiting cherry that the fe, the Forest Service is asking you to get rid of. It's the choke cherry. Okay, so is that the same as the white hawthorn tree? White, white hawthorn tree? Nope. It's really a cherry. I mean, it's it's uh, in the same family, and the the bark is smooth. The leaves are oval with a point on the end of them, and they're red. They have both red and green. Oh, the red okay. is the Canada red, and the green one is just the green one. But it's the one that has the, the white flowers that stand up like candles in the springtime on a little stem with about 30 little flowers on them. And they have a, an aroma. You can pick them up by the smell. Oh, and see, I was thinking that was the same as the white hawthorn tree that I thought they used to call those Mayday trees, but... Oh, I'm wrong. <laughs> Sorry. Well, uh, you know, the common name is always up in the air. It's the botanical name. It makes you know what it is. And the botanical name for that one is called Prunus patis. Prunus being the, the, the cherry family and patis being the kind, the, the member of it that it is. But thanks for the call. I hope that helps you. And I love white hawthorns. Yeah, They're man. beautiful. And, okay. And we, I love the hawthorns trees, too. Okay, thanks for the call. Okay, so I, what I was talking about was we were talking about bugs. I was talking about the predatory insects that we've been getting in. Yeah, they're really something. Uh huh. So we can, we have a friend who raises them. these you things. You can see them going going after the aphids. Going after them. They yeah. Get right down to it, don't they? So the the thing we're using, we buy a a card that has bug eggs on it, lacewing larvae eggs. And the card's about. A third of the size of your little finger. It's just right. a little cardboard card with a little hook that you can hang on the plant itself. And it's got 500 lacewing eggs on it. And they hatch out and they right away start looking for aphids to eat. I put them on my delphiniums and bam, 24, my- 24 hours later, the delphiniums were totally recovered and really happy. I put them on the rose bushes and the, you could see them. It's t- they hatch out right away. You know, they're hatching while they're you're hanging on They're little, really them. tiny and they don't fly around. No, they don't fly at all. They, they crawl. They crawl. They look like little alligators with short tails. Great big jaws, six legs. And <laughs> if you, if you uh, have any interest in it, send me an email. I'll send you back a picture of them. And the little card costs five bucks, and you I don't hang know it if you on. You could get a picture. You could get a picture of the card with them. As I've got a picture from the Oregon State uh, Entomology. I'm just saying you'd need a magnifier or something. I bought that. one. <laughs> <laughs> no, they are great looking things, but you can see they're they're just barely large enough for you to see walking around. And right, they don't fly. They walk around. They eat a bunch of aphids, and then they go to sleep, and then they wake up and they're an adult, and then they fly away. Great. I, I think it's fabulous. Yep, I think it's fabulous too. And they just fly around. I mean, you know, because they lay aphid, more eggs. The aphids this year, even out in the wild world, you know, which, Isn't it which, astounding? which I don't usually see a lot of insects everywhere. But in the yards I've been working in, which are all pretty old yards surrounded by native plants, you know, they're just riddled. So, what are you doing these days? I'm, I'm a. Uh, resuscitating gardens I installed 35 years ago Yeah, that the people have maintained and loved for all these years but you know people are always hesitant to prune and to thin out and to 
do the maintenance that a long-time garden demands of you. And then when they get to a certain size, it's counterproductive because it doesn't fit in the landscape anymore or it doesn't look very pretty. So you have to go in and either dig them up and move them around so that they become more background upon which the garden is seen or you start pruning them pretty hard and let them maintain their shape but be much smaller. So we're doing, and of course, weeding, lots and lots of truckloads of weeds. Oh yeah, that's not the thing. And then when you have to weed out the weeds, you have to plant more things so that if you're gonna have gaps in your garden, you're gonna have weeds. If you plant other perennials or shrubs, then it, it uh, competes against the weeds and what weeds you have, you don't see. So that's the kind of housekeeper I am. If I don't see it, I'm happy. I you got know, you entirely. So, uh, so that's what I'm doing. And it I'm is that time of year too, when the plants have, have done their springtime bloom and they're making their summer growth. It's time to cut those ugly old seed heads off. Well, it's not just that, it's, things are you know things that have been alive for 30 or 35 years are big they're real big so say you know, it was they're, a, growing, uh, they're growing 24 hours a day up until now and now they're only dogwood. growing 18 hours a day right what did you say say it was a dogwood and you planted it and it was cute at about knee high 30 years ago what is it now well over the top of my head you know it'd be 12 or 15 feet and woody and unless it had been taken care of it would have been uh, at least 12 feet wide yeah a huge 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 <laughs> uh-huh. and for a garden setting you know i mean it's one thing if you're it planting, can eat it up can it yeah it, it, it if you're planting for a park and you have it as background or understory you know that's one thing but if you're having them in gardens where people want to enjoy all of the plants and have view planes and see the lake and look at the mountains and watch the birds you uh-huh. can't have things that big in the foreground because you can't see anything else no i got it so what do you do to something like that well i always hope i don't have things that big <laughs> but if i do uh i have to talk to my clients and say you know what do you want do you want to keep it you want me to move it um, because if you're going to keep it we're going to have to cut back almost all of it and let it come again so something like a dogwood or a spirea that has lots of stems coming up out of the ground you can cut that right back can't you well you can but you you have to realize that plants in the garden you're trying to buy time right you're trying to buy beauty and time in somebody's garden there's a call coming in dave uh good morning conversations good morning i have um, various perennial plants that i need to move from different areas in my garden Uh is it better to do it now in the in the fall or next spring Okay, first of all, it's not fall yet. Right. <laughs> <Yikes>. <laughs> you scare me. No, um, yeah. this is a perfect time. And cut them back oh, okay. and, you know, dig them out, make a big trench all the way around them so you keep their ball in- intact and okay. have the other spot prepared for it. 
a lot of times okay. people dig things up, but they don't have the hole dug to move it to. So then it sits on the ground okay. or in a wheelbarrow for a while. Okay, okay. I've been That's in good. people's yards where they have been in a wheelbarrow for over two years. <laughs> oh, gosh, no. <laughs> but this is the perfect time. And then uh, once you transplant it, be sure to water it well and to mm-hmm. put some fertilizer around it and uh, nurture it until the fall so that it doesn't want for water. Rainwater isn't usually enough when things are transplanted. So you do okay. really want to water it gently with a hose and uh, okay. it'll come right on for you. Which also okay. means that when you plant it, make sure to put a nice watering basin around it so you are able to water it. Okay. Okay. Right. Thanks Will for do. the call. Thank you. Thank uh-huh. you. Bye. Fall. That word. That's right. That exciting <laughs> word. Fall. Okay. So I'm sending these these bugs all over Southeast. Put them in the envelope. Put the little bug eggs in the envelope. Send them off. Gustavus, Haynes, Skagway, you know, Petersburg. And uh, the response has been tremendous. They take them out of the envelope, go to the greenhouse, hang them on their pepper plants, and within days, so Mahita, they're out there crawling around. Mahita told me that when I hang those, they're supposed to be facing the plant, not yeah. facing. The, so they're facing the stem of the plant or the the branch of the plant, so that when they come crawling out, they're crawling on the plant. Right. That's a detail that needs to be repeated over and over again because well, so I no, that? nobody told me that. Okay. But I went through and rehung all mine. Right. Hang them so that the little bug eggs are next to the stem, so when they hatch out, they can crawl right off and get to work. Right. So hang them so the bug eggs are right next to the stem. That's right. Okay. Sounds grand. Uh, it's also prime lawn planting time. I'm afraid so. <laughs> <laughs> the ground is warm. Yeah, afraid of a lawn. This kind of nice moisture keeping it. Oh, isn't it grand? Viable is really great. And uh, waiting for the ground to be warm in this country is really the secret to having a successful seeding on your lawn. If right. you do it too early in the spring, it's just not warm enough and the seed doesn't germinate as well. So, and, and every kind of grass has a different germination rate. So some kinds of grass germinate in a week and some take a month. Right. Like if you did just straight bluegrass, it takes a long time. It takes a long time. It takes 28 to 30 And sometimes you have to days. do it more than once. Right. So... Uh, talk to me about that later. I've got a, a grass seed mix using Alaskan native bluegrass and Alaskan native fescue. It's really, really good for this location. Great. So when you're Adult. doing that kind of sp- uh, pruning, you use that little electric tool we bought at Tyler Rental, don't you? Oh, yeah, and I had you buy me another one because we have a bunch of evergreens to trim up this week, and I didn't want to be the only person on the crew doing it. Mm-hmm. So I'll give them all a lesson and then give them the shears and have them because they're all these yews and hedges and conical shaped trees and you have to do it right Uh and the more tools you have the better the job is i love more tools my thing is i don't want to have to be at anybody's house longer than four or five hours you know i'm taking four or five people with me that's 20 hours of work so you have to be as productive as you possibly can be and efficient and so some are pr- pruning, some are cleaning up, some are hauling to the truck. You know, it's a, all about a process so that at the end of the day, you can look back and see all the improvements you've made. And it's cleaned up. And it's all cleaned it's up. It's cleaned up as you go along. Yep. That's, I like that part a lot. So uh, 
if you were gonna gonna look at a shrub that you wanted to move, what would you do? What's the process, the decision process? Well, if you don't have to cut it back, you tie it up. You get some soft cord and tie it so it's not floppy all over the place, especially if this is a big shrub, but you can move small shrubs too. Uh, and you dig a trench around your the mass of the roots. You see in ads where people stand with a shovel perpendicular to the plant and start prying it with the shovel handle. You know, put the, the top of the shovel on the ground, put their boot on it, and then yank back on the handle. That is not how to dig something up. You dig it up by making a ring all the way around the root mass so that it's standing alone on a plinth of dirt. And then you take a flat-headed shovel like a spatula and cut it off at the bottom so it's one big mass of roots. Then you call over your guys and say, help me move this 400-pound thing. And you rock it one way and take a piece of tarp and put it underneath it. Then you rock it the other way and pull the tarp through. So they're picking the ball up by holding on to either ends of a piece of landscape fabric or a strip of tarp that you've cut up for that purpose and you already have the other hole dug so you look at the ball see how big it is go over and correct your hole if it needs to be bigger or not so deep or deeper adjust that then haul that sucker over there and put it in the ground and turn it the way you like it while it's in the air (laughs) that's one of the big things is set it the way you like it because everybody's got a face a face on one side and the back of your head on the other side you want to make sure that the face is looking at you. Right. And then, when then you, you get it in the hole, you put what the, do you do with that piece of fabric? You pull it out. You don't you, leave it in you, there. You rock it one way or the other and gently pull it out from underneath it. Mm-hmm. And uh, put the dirt in around it halfway up. Sprinkle some fertilizer on top of the dirt that's going back in the hole. And then finish filling in around the hole. And then you get some leftover soil because the soil will be displaced from the root mass. And you make a big berm all the way around the outside edge of that hole. And it's called a watering basin. So that when you water, the water goes down into the hole around the roots instead of spreading out all over the top of the soil. A101. <laughs> well, you know, that watering basin thing is a really old, old style. It a- is. And uh, nobody knows about it. And, well, and people look at it and they think, oh, it rains so much here, we don't have to do that. Yeah, I know. But that's it's not, not true. true. Not especially, and the bigger it is, I mean, little things can get by, but big things, if you want to keep them, you have to take care of them. And, you ha- and watering is a big part of that, especially when you're transplanting or moving things. And you can move pretty good-sized stuff. We can, we've moved all kinds of stuff. Sometimes oh, yeah. we have to get equipment. You've got a call coming in. Oh, good morning, conversations. In the woods, when you walk along, there's these little green worms dangling themselves down out of the trees. Yeah. What are those? Uh, bud worms. They're... Uh they're a plague. <laughs> That's what's happening to our forest. You look out at the okay, forest. Okay, I'll hang up so you can talk. Okay. You look out at the forest and you see all those dead trees. You see the trees with the, the needles gone. You see the trees with the, the tops of them and there's no green on them at all. That's what those guys are. They're it's really bad in Lemon Creek. The Lemon Creek Valley really got hit last year. 
If you look at the tops of the trees, they're all brown. I walk out into on our deck and I look at our folding white plastic Costco table, and it's covered with frass. Every time, not not two hours after I clean it off, it's got all these little dots of of what looked like worm poop all over it. And you know, that's exactly what it is. It's so much is coming out of the trees. There's so many bugs up there that it's just, it's astounding. Now they say that the population is on the decline now after having been three years on the increase. It's... well, I think the damage that's been done is tremendous. And forest fire here, since we, there's no place to go, <laughs> you know, unless you have a boat, is a really dangerous thing. Yeah. So. Anyway, that's what they are. They're, they're uh, conifer predators. We don't like them. Uh, looking around town, what's spectacular now? Well, Roses. Garden, the, Roses, but the gardens, it's been such a beautiful season. This season makes up for last year a lot. You know, last year in July, it was raining seven inches a week. It was un- unpleasant, you wasn't know, it? I had to have my mowers on platoons. <laughs> Pontoons. <laughs> Pontoons. <laughs> I like it. Have you seen the hydrangeas starting to flower? Yes, they're lovely. Mm-hmm. And, and the rosans, you know, I always oh, plant them together. Those rosan geraniums, they're stellar, absolutely stellar. And they're in bloom. That's what I really like about it, is that they're in bloom at the same time all over town. Right. Hello, conversations. Anyone hello? there? Okay. Uh, oh, there we are. Oh, hello? Hi, hello. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, perennial ground covers? Is yes. there uh, a time that would work in Juno? Yes. Anyway, that's what I'm interested in. Thanks. The, yeah, Bye-bye. you know, I was thinking about this today, is that people don't really understand about ground cover. And you have, really, if you want to have a weed-free garden, you need ground cover. Because if you have bare earth, weeds are going to go, go there. And that's their job. Well, that's what they do. And the ground covers for Juno... Uh, there are several that I think are really great, and having a mixture of them can be really an addition to any perennial garden and any shrubbery garden that you have. I love the lingonberry. Evergreen, native, shiny, bug-resistant. I love the what's called the London Pride. Uh, it's a saxifrage. It is. But it's not the little mossy saxifrage. It's the great, big, juicy mat forming with pink fairy flowers that blooms for about six weeks. That's a great one. Um, the ajuga does a really nice job. Now all of these things are are pretty tight when they grow so it's hard for weeds to get involved in them. Um, and things like bishop's weed and some of those other ground covers you have to be really careful with because they will take over. It's you know and get out in the woods and be gone. Well, whatever. It's just you can't have them in a bed. You could have them around the foundation of your home if you're not having anything else. But you can't have. They're not really good for in the garden. I can't recommend them. They get taken. They get carried away. So, the glow girl spireas is that a good hit? If you keep them pruned low, you know the the you can use shrubbery for a ground cover. Uh, you want something that will stay close to the ground and cover it up 
and dwarf rhododendrons are a nice ground cover. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to go with shrubbery and the perennial stock. And uh, what else do we have for the ground cover that we really like, Dave? See, I really love that that London Pride. I think that's just the most marvelous thing around. The blueberry, the, the creeping blueberry is a fabulous ground cover. Mm -hmm. And it's a native in Nova Scotia, but it fits in here just Excellent. fine. And it's really fine and dense. It kind of looks like a, a heath or a heather in the way that it, it forms. It doesn't grow up on stems as much as lays flat and gets full. And, and, and has a stunning fall color. And beautiful fall color and has delicious berries. Mm -hmm. Berries right away. Yep. That's an empty mix lingonberries and those creeping blueberries together. That's a real nice combination. You don't mix them. You, you know, you don't do every other one. You do this area is in lingonberry and next to that area, this area is in blueberry. And this area is in London Pride. The other thing that's a really good ground cover are is the Stella de Oro uh, Daylily. Because it is tough, it doesn't get too big, it blooms all summer long, and it grows so densely that there aren't any weeds that can touch it. It may take a couple of seasons for it to get big and beefy, but it really is a great ground cover. And blooms for a long time. All summer long. Yep. Really, really, really great. But so, as a ground cover, though, you'd need to plant it on like a, a foot apart. Well, if all that inches? all that stuff is driven by budget. You know what I mean? And what's the need? You know, if it's brand new garden and you have time to wait, that's great. If you want it sooner than that, plant them closer together. You know, it that's the thing. It doesn't really matter. And you can mix sizes. Right, and the the hardy the Roseanne geranium is a great ground cover. Also, it starts blooming. Oh, I don't know, the end of June, covers the ground and blooms until the end of October. That's and you a don't long have shot, and it? you don't have to do anything. You know, uh huh. Right. <laughs> you don't have to pick off old buds. You don't have to just you, lay just, back and enjoy it. Just lay back and enjoy it. Right. Yep, and I know people coming into the nursery this spring who have a dozen of them in their yard and lost one. And they say, oh, man, I just can't. I need another one. I think they're just marvelous. Well, they, the Rosans don't want to be where the snow gets piled. They don't want to be along the driveway where the snow plow piles ice and snow on top of them. You know, they, wanna, they can take the snowfall from the sky but they can't take that icy, rigid, deep, heavy snow. Mm -hmm. I know what you and, mean. And most of the people who have lost theirs, not all of them, but most of them had them in those kind of places. So I always tell them, don't plant them there. Yeah. I can certainly see why. You know. And if you want to have something that would grow underneath a rhododendron, what would you choose for that? Well, I love the meonanthemum, the native... Uh-huh. They uh, call it deer tongue or, or deer... Heart. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that's a real pretty one. It has I love those pretty that. white flowers on it, too. And I like a Lily of the Valley. Ooh, that's right up there with my favorites, Lily of the Valley. Yeah, I think those are really, really Particularly pretty. Particularly when they're in bloom and they smell so incredible. The thing about ground covers is you... If you can't get a lot of them, you have to be patient. And you have to keep weeding until uh, they get to get established. And it takes them a couple of years. But, you know... I, to me, I always rather overplant than underplant. So right, you never have any idea. I want it heavy right away. 
Right. And you don't want to have to worry about, oh, they're going to look good in five years. Well, I don't want to. No, I, I, I want them. Right, I'm with you. I like them a lot sooner than that. I like them to look good the next season. Well, there's just too many weeds. You have to be weeding all those mm-hmm. five years. And enough of that. Enough of that. That's right. But anyway, I, you know, I, I know that I could have done anything in the world. I had every opportunity. And this is the life I chose, and I just absolutely love it. Not only that, every morning when you wake up, you still have the opportunity to change your mind. And I know that at least 300 days a year, you go, oh, yes, I want to do it. Of course. Uh, so uh, Perennial Sale at Landscape Alaska, uh, 20% on perennials, 10% off on everything else. And come so see our weekend. roses. We have some of the sweetest oh, little roses. Oh, man, oh, man. There is a double white rugosa rose called Blanche Double de Coubert. They're all sold. Oh, <laughs> but you I, order, saw, order I saw one in Lucy's yard yesterday. Uh-huh. Oh, man, you can smell her from about 12 feet away. You'll have to, Just order, absolutely you'll have to order more for I next year. I certainly will. Oh, the, by the way, that reminds me. It is nursery plant ordering time. The nursery business runs from August to August. So now is the time we're putting in orders for next season. If there's something you want that we sold out of early, you make sure to tell me to get it. This is Dave and Margaret from Landscape Alaska. We're going to be at the nursery today. Come and see us. Margaret's going to be working with her crew, but she'll blow through every now and then, I'm sure. And uh, we're on the Back Loop Road, landscapealaska.com. Talk to you next week. Mark and Dave from Landscape Alaska and wishing you all happy gardening.